Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Welcome to episode 57 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. Today we'll be previewing the upcoming match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and the LA Galaxy. It's a return match. Obviously the first one, the Whitecaps lost 1-0 in LA. And this one will obviously be in BC Place of this upcoming Saturday. My name is Steve Pander. I'm joined today by Aaron Campbell. It's nice to be back. And our regular... Roundtable guest usually, but today he's joining us on the preview podcast. Part of the Curva Collective movement, Zachary Meisenheimer. It's good to be here, Steve. So guys, uh, obviously got the LA game coming up. We're going to be talking about the LA game in a bit. First of all, a few news and notes uh, we should go over. Since the last time we did the a preview podcast, unfortunately we missed out on the first LA game, but they've lost twice now, the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, Colorado, we don't, we're not going to worry too much about that because that's his, history, but LA, one nothing loss on the road, What do you, what is one thing that you guys took out of that game, Aaron? Um, what I took out of that game was they played well defensively for 80 of the 90 minutes, but at half they couldn't get their stuff together quick enough. And they kind of just fell apart for a couple minutes, and it's over that quick against L.A. So this game, they just need to make sure they're playing proper defensive positions, marking properly, and they should have a good game. Zach? I think what I took away from watching the L.A. away game was you could see, I think, how Robbo wants us to play more on the road a little bit. There was a little bit more purpose. Um, yeah, as Aaron said, there was a momentary lapse that cost us the game. But I think overall the performance was uh, a lot more encouraging, even though we didn't get the uh, result. Was, I think it would, the, the performance was more encouraging than, for example, the, the Chivas match or the New England match. It felt more like the team was, was having a go. And uh, there was a little bit more offensive intentionality in, in our play and in our buildup. And uh, it was encur- yeah, it was encouraging. Yeah, I agree with you there. They, they did play a little bit higher tempo. It was much better road performance or exactly what they've been talking about. It was better than what they did in Chivas before and in New England. They, it seemed like they had some purpose there with their possession. The fact that they were able to shut down, for the most part, that middle of the park where LA usually likes to play. They don't like playing out wide that much, and I think that was pretty effective. We'll talk about more. We don't want to go too far because we're going to be talking about the upcoming game anyways. One side note, uh, earlier this week we had a little get-together at EA Sports where the Whitecaps players got their head scanned, but there was a match involved as well. And it was basically some players brought together by EA Sports. There was seemingly some ringers in there, we don't know. Luca Bellissimo, former Whitecap, Alex Morello. He was played for the PDL, but he also played in Belgium as well. They were on the EA team. The Whitecaps had a PDL team, but there was also a lot of residency kids in there because they just couldn't get everybody together. The game ended up 4-2. Michael spoke to the winning coach, who happened to be Jordan Harvey. So this is what Jordan Harvey had to say. So Jordan, winning coach uh, in the game, how does it feel? It feels great. You know, uh, it was written in the stars all along. We had this in our, uh, in our, uh, in our heads that we were going to come out here, play hard. We had the ref on our side. Fortunately, and uh, we got some early goals and held on. So it was a good performance. 
What did you tell your team before the game? Um, they kind of told me the lineup. They told me uh, the, how we were going to sub. Uh, smart group of guys. They took it upon themselves to be prepared for the game, true professionals. And uh, no, it was just it was a lot of fun. We got out here and it was just all about having fun. And, and as you can see, there's a lot of talented uh, guys in that group. Have you ever seen a referee move as slow since that guy that had the first game of the season? <laughs> um, you know what? I didn't move outside of that circle right there. I think that was the plan. But I did let the game flow. I did. You did? Yeah. yeah. And, and you need to uh, take, I mean, I'll take a lot of credit for that. And is there a coaching Pretty career game. Coaching career coming up now for you? Coaching or refing? I'm not sure. Two different avenues. I'd go with coaching. You'd go with coaching? Yeah. You'd go, you, don't, you don't have to run about as much. <laughs> and you're undefeated. So I don't know, far, like so. you just said, I didn't run as, about as much anyway. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, you quit while you're ahead, 100% record. You know what? That's not a bad idea, but I think I'll be doing some more coaching in the future. But I don't know. Did you see my assistant? Oh, assistant oh. coach Stephen. Yeah. He held down the the bench, yeah, you know. kept it in control. Just make sure I'm on the yeah, rough space. Couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have done it without my staff. Couldn't. That's okay. great. Cheers, John. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. guys. See you. So that was Jordan Harvey talking to Michael about his win. Of, of course, we should also mention that he was not only the the head coach of the winning team, but he was also the referee. So obviously, some shadiness of going on there as well. Now, going back to the Whitecaps game, before we're going to jump into the, the Whitecaps themselves, Michael had a chance on the during training this week to talk to Martin Pert. It's his first time going to L.A. to face the Galaxy, and obviously with a quick return, they have a lot to look at going there. So here's Michael with Martin Pert. Well, going forward, they're always they're always dangerous because they can hurt you from a lot of different ways. They've got great playmakers in the midfield, and they got uh, two of the best forwards in the league, so um, they can always hurt you there. Uh, so again, it's it's about competing with those guys. It's about getting up against them and not allowing them to play. Uh, you give good players time to play, and they'll hurt you. So uh, I think it's about continuing that, and I think it's just about uh, uh, making sure that we put our own stamp on the game now that we're back home at BC Place. Does that show you the danger of LA, though, Jay? I mean, you guys basically let Robbie King get open once, and it was in the net. Is that? Well, yeah, and that's the difference. That was the difference between them and us. Uh, you look at the, uh, you know, the, those are the world-class players and the, and, and the type of performances that they can have. So, you know, again, you talk about the young guys and they, they can look to great performances like, like that and say, you know what, next time I get my one chance, I'm going to put it in for my team. And, and you know, the, this is the type of mentality we need to have moving forward. LA Galaxy this weekend, it's the second of the two matches. Coming to MLS, it's the first time you've watched them live in, in the game at the weekend. What have you seen from the first game that you think that the team can take in to make some improvements for the second game? I want to continue to build, you know, here we've, got, we've only been in the job, was it 10 weeks or so, and uh, there's a great article of Brendan Rodgers on the BBC website saying that here to start with possession and pressing, and it takes a while for players to learn to grasp this, uh, the mentality, you know, because we want to really press and we also want to have the courage to get on the ball at every opportunity, so we'll keep to build on those themes and carry on um, the building blocks we've put in place already I mean the, the, the start has been good you know we've learned um, the players have really grasped it so we just need to continue to build that you know we're still, it's, it's baby steps and what does the team need to do to, to stop someone like Robbie Keane well I think we did pretty well um, you know if anyone who watched the game and I know Robbie scored and it was an incredible bit of movement and a good ball in and his finish was different class so certainly um we have to carry on doing what we did, but concentrate that little bit more because he only needs a second and he's got the quality to score against us. So we need to concentrate you know, his heart is, is a little bit more. And that was just after the uh, the interval. So we probably had a little bit of lapse in concentration and he was able to seize on that. So that was Martin Pert of the Vancouver Whitecaps talking to Michael about the upcoming match versus the Galaxy. Uh, we're joined now by somebody who covers the Galaxy very closely, the play-by-play man, uh, Joe Titino, Time Warner Cable Sportsnet. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, um, the the Galaxy themselves, they've obviously, they haven't played too many games. They've lost a draw and, a, and recently a couple of wins. Do the lack of games at the beginning help them kind of get the chemistry right before the, you know, the, they start playing more games? Or is it? do you think it's going to be a hurt in the long term because of the fact that they, they're a veteran team and they're going to have to play a lot of games and catch up? Well, I think uh, not, not necessarily because they're a veteran team. I think what happens is that when, when you miss out as many games as the Galaxy have had, I mean, one bye week is one thing, but when you have two bye weeks in the first month of the season and you played 
you know, what, two, three games and everybody else has played four and five games, that puts you behind the eight ball in terms of in terms of uh, chemistry on the field in, in, in 90 minute games. I mean, you can train as much as you like, but the games are the most important things in terms of trying to get game fit or 90 minute fit. Add that to the fact that they had early injuries and they're still getting through those. And I think that's what the difficult part of uh, the situation is, is, is a, it's just the, the sum of everything that's happened to the team, the injuries defensively, um, the fact that they haven't had a chance to play some games, put those all together. And I think that allows for other teams to have somewhat of an advantage early in the season. Do you think it's a good thing that they bowed out of the Champions League early, or do you think do you think they still had aspirations to move forward to that? No, I think once you get there to this point, the quarterfinals, you like to be able to make a run uh, and make something happen. I just don't know what Major League Soccer can do to get their teams prepared enough for, for this portion of the Champions League because of the fact that we're still in preseason and the other teams have seven, eight games under their belt. At some point, you're going to have to figure it out. At some point, maybe these teams that are in this portion of the tournament uh, are able to expand their rosters or they're able to go on a tour somewhere in order to get themselves ready to go. And, I, and of course, the rest of the league would say, well, that's not, a, that's not fair to them because, you know, this team is already to go and ours, ours haven't had a chance to really get ready for the, for the season. So it's, it's, it's quite a problem, I think, for Major League Soccer. And I think we're going to continue to deal with this type of result for the league until the league decides that they really want to spend some real money and uh, be on par with uh, the teams in Mexico and maybe some of the teams in Europe. Going back to the team itself, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. Who do you think is more important to the team, Robbie Keane or Landon Donovan? That's a good question. I think uh, I think Robbie Keane has turned out to be the leader of the LA Galaxy. Uh, whether he has the captain's armband on, on, uh, on or not, he's the captain of this team. That's just his personality. And I think ultimately, at this portion of the two players' careers, I would say Robbie Keane. Landon Donovan and, and you also got Omar Gonzalez. They're going to be gone for a significant portion because of the World Cup. Do the Galaxy have the the, the depth to to withstand that over a long period of time? Because obviously there might be injuries during that time too, so there will be other issues as well. Do, do you think they have the depth to withstand missing Donovan and Gonzalez for long portions? Well, I think that's what the offseason was about and bringing Stefan Ishizaki and bringing in Rock Friend and Sam Well. From the forward standpoint, not only do they want to get more experience up top to have guys who can play along with Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan when everybody's together, but also when, when Landon is gone with the United States national team, not to have a huge drop-off in the score in the goal-scoring uh, department. Defensively, I think that's going to be where we're all going to find out because not having uh, Omar Gonzalez there, that means you're, you're, you're taking a couple of steps down in the pit that's going to replace him as the center-back Alongside, is it Leonardo? Is it AJ De La Vars? Is it the rookie Kyle Venter? Is it Kofi Obari? There are a lot of center backs in the Galaxy. The quality compared to Omar is, is, is not quite the same. And that's not saying these guys aren't good. It's saying that Omar's that great. And so I think we'll find out uh, how good the Galaxy defense is going to be without Omar back there. Um, and we'll learn a lot about this team in, in the month of June. Overall, for the season, where do you feel the Galaxy fit in the Western Conference? Obviously, we've already seen like teams like Portland struggle at the beginning. The Galaxy, obviously, they, they, they played both their first two games against a, a tough opponent, Real Salt Lake. So there were some concerns, but you know you know you're playing a good opponent there. Where, do, where overall do you see them fitting in? I think it's an incomplete right now. I had a question last year from a, from a media person who asked me, who do you think is, is a team to be? And I said, talk to me in May. And I still feel the same way because I think it takes a good six, seven weeks to find out who the, the cream of the crop is going to be. I mean, last year we had the great start by Dallas. They obviously tapered off, didn't have a very good season. They got rid of their head coach, and they're starting anew. And I think uh, because it's a, such a long season in terms of the amount of months we play, a lot of things will change by the time we get out past the World Cup. I think the important thing for the Galaxy is is to stay in the running, stay in that top five through the World Cup. So when they do get their players back, uh, Landon Donovan and Omar Gonzalez, they'll be in good position. Hopefully those players are not injured and they don't have to sustain any more injuries on the roster. But I would say the Galaxy are top three at this point. I think it's fair to say in the Western Conference where they are, um, 
it has been encouraging the way they played the last few games, including the last game against the uh, against Tijuana when they they lost, but they also showed their their goal scoring prowess. And I think Robbie Keane has been in excellent form not only in that game but also throughout the early part of the season. So I think that's a very good thing. I think Jaime Pinedo coming back in Game One against Vancouver and playing the way he did shows good signs. Brian Perk is back up, played well, uh, replacing him. Uh, I think that the big question mark is for the Galaxy right now, get healthy as soon as possible, especially defensively. If they can do that, uh, then I think they'll be able to weather the storm. You talk about Pinedo there. The goalkeeping position for the Galaxy has been kind of a turnstile. Um, He came in late last season. He kind of solidified. Is he the long-term answer for this team? Yes, I think he is. Uh, I think I think he is. I think uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call him world class goalkeeper, but it's certainly one of the top goalkeepers in Concacaf. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, and I think he's been very good for the Galaxy. I think Vancouver Whitecaps fans know how good he's been for the Galaxy, especially last year's match where he came out of nowhere to, to make that spectacular save on the, the Jordan Harvey attempted goal. Um, he is he's, he's a very solid shot stopper. I think there's some things to work on in terms of distribution. That's not a secret. Uh, but that's always something that goalkeepers can work on. You guys signed a Canadian international Rob Friend uh, in the off season. He was rumored to come to the Whitecaps as well. How has he fit in, and where do you see him providing his abilities in the Galaxy roster? I think what he does is he gives Bruce Arena uh, options as to how he wants to go and play a certain game. He wants to play with a target forward, somebody who can play back to goal, or does a good job of keeping the ball up top. Uh, that's Rob Friend. Uh, does a good job in that. Very good job. I really like the way he pulls heels away from center backs and and create that space around the top of the penalty area to move a ball into the box, not only for a pass maybe to Robbie Keane or Landon Donovan, or for himself to take somebody on one-on-one. Uh, he, he's he's going to be one of those guys that's, to me, he's either a starter or he's right on the edge of being a starter. And that depends on what, what Bruce wants to go with, if he wants to go with Robbie and Landon as the top as the forwards for the Galaxy, then obviously he and Samuel will come off the bench. But again, during the World Cup, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in as a starting target forward uh, with Robbie playing underneath him, uh, depending on the opponent and what the opponent provides in terms of attack or defensively. The Galaxy have a very strong uh, residency program. Uh, we've all seen them. They, they've guys like Zardes and others. They've also now started a USL Pro team. The Whitecaps are also rumored to be looking into that, uh, or some local team is being looked into that. How important is that USL Pro team to the development and bringing players in through the system instead of just going for the most expensive player all the time? Well, I think from an organizational standpoint, it's great because now you have a good idea if you have players that are going to ascend and be able to challenge and be in the 18 for your senior side in the future, or you have guys that uh, are just going to be at that level. I think uh, previously with the old reserve league that Major League Soccer has had on two different occasions, it just does not provide enough competition and enough games for the players that don't get on the field and the young players that you're trying to develop. Uh, The USL team for the Galaxy, uh, that's what it is providing for LA. I know that a lot of people want to see wins and losses, and and the USL team suffered a loss here against Sacramento, this last weekend, but I think ultimately what, what is, what's great for this Galaxy side is the fact that you see guys like Jack McBean, guys that won't get a chance normally to be in the 18 or on the, on the field for the Galaxy to get real games against real competition and guys that are fighting to get up to Major League Soccer. And I think ultimately that's going to be a huge benefit for this league uh, that they finally have a real farm system. Your thoughts on the Whitecaps? You've seen them last year, obviously, and you saw them this year. What are your thoughts on the Whitecaps and and their improvements? Do you think they've improved under Carl Robinson? And have you noticed anything different about what, the way they played, even though they lost last week? I don't. I don't think it's fair for me to say if they've improved or not improved. I thought they played well against the Galaxy. I thought they had good chances in the first half. Um, that again, Jaime Benito was was true to those tasks and came up big for LA. I think they're dangerous over the top, especially with the speed that they had in Maddox and Mane. That is that was impressive. The other thing that was impressive to me and uh, Kobe Jones in the broadcast was, was the play of the two central midfielders, uh, Gershon Kofi and uh, Russell Tybert. And uh, they really bobble up the Galaxy in the middle of the field and force the Galaxy to go on the wings, where right now it's not their strong point. And so in that regard, it was, it was a very good chess match played by both teams. 
Galaxy were able to score, Vancouver wasn't, and, and the Galaxy were able to get the three points on the day. I think that's going to be a, a huge thing to look at this weekend because the track changes. You go from a you know, real surface to an artificial surface, and it gets much faster. And with the type of speed that Vancouver has, and those two players that I mentioned earlier, that could provide more difficulties for the Galaxy, and I'm sure they'll probably adjust to that going forward. Do you think it gives it a little bit of an advantage to the Galaxy that they this is almost the third time this year they've played a team back-to-back almost? I don't think it's an advantage, and I don't think it's very good for Major League Soccer. Uh, I, I think because we have a long season here, there's no reason to do back-to-back. Everybody has their own facilities, but for whatever reason, the Galaxy have at least three of these. They did back-to-back with RSL, now with Vancouver, and I think we have one with San, uh, Seattle as well coming up. It's not more than that, and you kind of wonder why the league would do that. I don't think it's fair to the fans, and I don't think it, I don't think it makes for better play going forward. There are no secrets going into this game uh, for either team, in my opinion. I, I can't imagine that Carl Robinson held back for the home game. Three points are important no matter where they are, home or away. And I don't think you know, Bruce Arena held back. So you go into this game having seen each other again, and, and you know you would think the home team has the advantage because they're at home. But I just don't think it's a good thing for the league, in my opinion. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Where do you see the result coming? Do you see the Galaxy getting another three points, or do you think it being a little bit closer and maybe being a draw? Well, I'll be honest here. I'm the Galaxy announcer, and it'd be silly for me to go into any contest not having the thought that this team can win. Um, but I know it's going to be a difficult game. I know also on the road, if you get a point away, that's not a bad thing. When your home games get a point away, you're pretty happy about that. That's kind of my mindset going through. Um, I see it playing out very similar to last week, uh, provided the same players make you know the same type of execution. Then maybe the Galaxy get the victory away. But I think at this point, yeah, you want to go into a game and figure out how they can win the game. And, and it is winnable, I believe. Uh, but if you get a point away, that would be a good result. So, Joe, uh, before we let you go, uh, where can we find you online? Oh, at Joe Tatino on Twitter. Uh, you're welcome to follow along. I may bore you most of the time, but you're, you're more than welcome. Perfect. Thanks a lot, for J- Joe, for joining us. Uh, we'll hopefully see you at the pitch on, on, on Saturday. My pleasure. Looking forward to being in your beautiful city. So that was Joe Titino, the play-by-play man for the LA Galaxy, joining us. Thank you once again to him. So guys, uh, we got the LA Galaxy now coming out off their one nothing win over the Whitecaps. I, Joe mentioned himself that he doesn't like these back-to-back games. What, first of all, before we get into the game, what is your guys' thoughts on this back-to-back? Like when you're only playing a team twice, three times, like for example, it, it doesn't make sense to play back-to-back? It's, it's part of the... Lack of quality of MLS and the way the league is run. A proper football league is run with a balanced schedule and where you play in the first half of the season, you play each team once, and the second half of the season, you play the other team once. You play them home in the first first half, you play them away in the second half. That's how a proper football league should be run. But this is MLS, travel, size of continent, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's why you have things like this. Their, their desire, their innate desire to create or build or foster or nurture or to carve out a thin air or to get on the back of these quote-unquote rivalries are why we have these type of situations. Yeah, some people say out there that, you know, I, I'm not going to mention who, but and I can't remember who, but I know I have heard people say, you know, we love to get these rivalries. I love to see Seattle play two times at BC Place. Personally, I don't want to see them play two times. I I can't stand ECS, so why do I want to see them two times a year? Uh, I prefer just to see them once and get them out of this town and the, don't see them again for the rest of the year. Aaron, do you have any issues with this? Um, I don't mind back-to-backs when the first game is really good, but if you look at the Galaxy first two games, Real Salt Lake, fourth, fifth game, Vancouver, that's what I don't like. They've only played three teams in the first five games. 
And Chivas was an away game, but it's a home game for him. So I, I don't like it. Unless the first game's really good. Like last week was a good game. It was exciting. You know, it's an away game for a Whitecaps fan where you enjoyed watching the game on the road. So I'm excited to see what will happen this week. But if that first game's a stinker, nobody likes it. You know, if they lose badly. The second game, there's no, there's no movement behind it. You know, the fans aren't excited to see, you know, a Whitecaps team that lost 4 nothing. But because of the decision last week, I think this week is fine. It's not going to hurt anything. You know, the game's pretty much a sellout. People are excited. They know what to expect. I don't mind it this week, but moving forward, it really shouldn't be done. My only concern with it, my biggest concern with it, would be that, like, LA play, won their match last week. Now, all of a sudden, they'll be happy with a draw, and they're going to play way back. They're not going to open it up, because they're thinking four points out of two games against a Western Conference opponent is a good thing. The, the My... I know you're shaking your head there. Obviously, nobody can see that on the radio. But my my listen listen to what my concern is that they they, they basically think that they you know they they got their one win out of two games. They're not going to mm-hmm. let the they might and playing on turf too. They've seen there's no secrets anymore between the two teams, and they'll be able to shut down the Whitecaps. I don't think I don't think Bruce Arena or the LA Galaxy play for a draw on the road. So that's why that's why I think part of your thinking is faulty in terms of they settle for a, a draw. I don't think they do. Uh, because of who they are, because of the uh, the culture in their in their their club, uh, so I understand I understand what you're saying, but I, I don't think that's I don't think that enters their their way of thinking. Well, okay, so let's get to the game itself. Obviously, the guy that's going to make the biggest headlines into coming into the lineup is Matias Lava. They they while they didn't miss him as much uh, defensively, I think they probably missed him a li- little bit going forward and making those passes going forward and keeping the possession. And also because he was in the not in the lineup, they had to switch to a four-two-three-one, which is seems like a, a a lineup that they are not really successful in getting goals in. Yeah, I think um, Russell was great filling in for Lava last game. He was my man of the match on my Caps countdown. I think he was man of the match on the Whitecaps website. Moving forward, I'd take Lava over Tybert in that position, you know, game by game. But just filling in, Russell did a great job. This game, you know, Kofi, he wasn't the best last game. You don't know if Rio Coker's coming back in to play next to Laba or if they're even moving to a diamond this week to get out of the 4-2-3-1. But yeah, Laba's going to be nice to have back. He's going to be great controlling the middle of the field. I think Matias Laba has, has played well for us in, the, in what he's played so far, other than obviously the, uh, we'll call it a mental error, the mental lapse. Um I think it'll. I think I've heard like, yeah, is he going to be back? Is he not going to be back? But looking on Steve's face, what he's going to be back? Who Lava? You think he's Lava's going to be in the lineup? Okay. I don't. You have to. I don't have to okay. be at training in order to tell you okay. that Lava's going to be. At <laughs> oh, no, I heard. I heard one person say they weren't. They weren't totally sure this. Oh, game. I. I don't see how they can put him in the lineup. I know it's a mental lapse, but that's not like a Jude Marcus Davidson situation where he headbutt somebody or something like that. True. True. I. 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 I, I think he'll be there. Yeah, then, so the, the question isn't who are they going to go four two three one? Who's going to be next to him? Is it going to be is it going to be Gersh? Is it going to be Russell because he did such a great job with Gersh at way to LA um, and offers things going forward and energy and and whatever. So I, I yeah I think I think he'll I think he'll be there. But I I think Laba's played better when he's the sole shield in front of the, in the front of the back line. Uh, when he partners up with somebody, I think he gets lost a little bit. The other person maybe takes a little bit. Of what he wants to do in the, from the preseason games, from the preseason games, also the first couple of games too. Not not the not the New York game, but the uh, the games on the road against oh, Chivas yeah. and everything. He was he seemed a little bit lost when he was partnered up with somebody. When he was they went to the four four two. I thought he played pretty effective. Even against Colorado, I think he was very well. You know, he played really well there in those games. Yeah, I think I, those those away games though. I think it's kind of hard because was that because he was playing next to someone, or is that like the overall poor performance of the of the entire generally the entire side on on those days, I think I think Matias Lava is the kind of person that you're right can play as a single shield in front of your back four. In those games, though, he was playing next to Rio Coker, and Rio Coker hasn't been a hundred percent. Like you've seen it this year, he's he's not in shape. So maybe Lava is overplaying himself to make up for what Nigel can't do on the pitch. You know, before the injury, he wasn't playing that well. His fitness wasn't up to par. We've seen that all preseason. So maybe Laba was overplaying himself to try and cover for Nigel 
So moving into the four four two, he doesn't have that worry. You know what what's Nigel doing? You know, do I have to cover for him? He can focus on his own game. He can focus moving forward, and there's not that liability for him in the middle of the pitch. It's just him. He knows what job he has to do, and he knows how to do it. So I I personally think they're going to go four four two. They're going to go back to the diamond. I think Lava's going to be in there. I think Tybert. I think Rio Coker has a chance to be in that lineup if it's not Kofi. I think that's where the one choice will be. One of those positions, I think Morales up top. Who do you think your two strikers are? I I say Mane and Maddox. Um, they played well off each other last week. You know, they didn't score, but Mane coming in as a starter, he played really well. Um, Miller coming on as a sub, you know, he played really well too. So I'd say give him one more shot. Give Maddox and Mane a chance to play with Morales and just see where it goes from there. The, the pace that we, that we had last uh, in the last match was really encouraging and did expose some things I think in uh, in LA's back line you could you could see the opportunities to play the ball over the top and you could see um, you could see that the pace was causing them problems I mean I mean when you look at the lineup right away and you're like okay uh, Kakuta Mane is lined up on the field against Dan Gargan. Like, it's, I mean, I, I don't think I've been that excited since, like, MLS first kick against Toronto when my good, our good friend Davide Cumento was lined up against our good friend Adrian Khan, yeah. and it was a bit of a mismatch. But um, I, I think we, I think at home, uh, I think, I think without Kenny Miller on the pitch, we're lacking, we're lacking, we're lacking his... Uh, vision, I think. Vision, his, yeah, and, but also tactically... Uh, and and work rate wise, as long as he, especially centrally, if he's central, either as you know the the far for the forward striker or the withdrawn striker or the middle of the three in a four two three one or whatever, he just brings some like so many intangibles in, in, uh, into the game that it's yeah. And the, but then there's a question: okay, do you put Pedro at wide and all that kind of stuff and get into yeah bigger questions about that? I, I I think I think I think Darren needs to play. I think Darren needs to keep playing. I think. He's done enough to keep playing, uh, uh, but I think I, I would go. I would, if it's between, if you're, if you're talking about Darren plus one, uh, I would probably start with Miller uh, and go from there. Uh, and if Kakuta's not uh, in one of the other spots, then he's obviously one, if not the first, one of the first to come off the bench. I, I think I, I kind of think that if if it doesn't come to the point where it doesn't affect Darren Maddox's mental. Uh, Makeup. If he, if he sits on the bench for one game, I'd like to see Miller and Mane uh, see what they can do and playing off each other. Mane had one of his best games playing with a, a veteran guy like Camilo. And Kenny Miller, while not the same bits, but he can know when to make those runs and know when to make a pass and everything like that into Mane. I think he can play well off each other. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I think when you're talking about your... your the thing you prefaced that with was saying like, if if it won't hurt Darren, yeah, no, that's that's the big thing. If it won't hurt his morale, yeah. And here's the thing: I think it would because yeah. I don't think, as lots of people have been talking about it, said I don't think he's done anything that makes him worthy of being dropped. Uh, well, actually, if you talk to Carl, if you talk to Carl Robinson, he'll say he will not be dropping players; he will be resting players. He will yeah. be rotating squad. He doesn't he doesn't talk in that language in terms of dropping players. Yeah. But I don't think Darren's in a place where he needs a rest or he needs to be part of squad rotation because. He has been contributing so much. So, uh, looking back at the game itself, what, what do you guys think is the main key that the Whitecaps need to stop? I think they did a good job of controlling the middle part of it, not letting Keenan down of it, except for that one hiccup to make too many runs into the box and everything. But they forced them out wide quite a bit. Is that the, what the key is? And just do a better job of not you know, causing, letting their guard down at all? Um, my key to the game is Whitecaps keeping possession. Last week, Galaxy had the ball way too much. You know, when the Galaxy were, were passing it back and forth, there there wasn't anybody you know trying to get the ball back. I think they outpassed them by over two hundred and twenty passes through the game. Like it was a ridiculous number. So this game, I think the Whitecaps have to control the ball. I know they're not a controlled team; they're an attack team. But the more you keep the ball away from the Galaxy, the better it is for you moving forward. Sack. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a, a given in any game, right? Yeah, you want to have possession. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think also what you're saying is true, Steve. I think LA is not always the, the they have great middle play and they, they have this flowing, uh, fluid kind of six, the midfield and the strikers where they, they're interchanging or whatever. And I think you, you just have to manage that. And so you just, yeah, you always have to be 
you always have to be on. You can't you can't take any. There can't be any lapses in our concentration. Uh, and I think as long as we do that, we'll be okay. So if part of that is keeping the ball or trying to push them out wide to keep them wide, sure, that that's probably part of it. Um, I think just our own communication to make sure that we're always you know picking people up and um, especially especially on the counter. I think uh, coming away from home, I think LA is is incredible on the counter. I think as much as I. Don't like him as a player. I, I think he's a quality player. Uh, Landon Donovan is incredible on the, on the counterattack. Uh, his transition game is uh, because of his pace and stuff. He is he's killer on the counterattack. And uh, so I think we just need to be aware from that because we are going to I think have more of the ball. I think and we are going to be pressing. We are going to be going forward more, um, being at home. And so I think we just have to be a little bit careful of that. Yeah, I think that's where Lava will play a definite part in, in the counterattack, intercepting those passes across the middle. And and to your point about Donovan and, and guys like Keane, and it's amazing to see how they can bring in so many high-priced players. Zach, you made a point about this off before we started talking here. The Galaxy seem to be a team that relies a lot on superstars, and they seem to have a lot of players that seem like you know they're being paid a high amount, but you were looking at the salaries and there's not too many players that are being paid a large amount of money. They're, they're going by a lot of their roster built up on players that are, you know, under the six-figure amount. Yeah, I think this year or last week or this week or whatever it was when the players union put out the salaries, uh, I, LA was one of the ones that stood out for me where you just notice so many players on, um, on lower salaries you know, I mean, you obviously have need to have a number of players who are on lower salaries, but it was also it wasn't just the amount they're making, but it was the contribution that they have been or they are going to be asked to make this year. Um, you know, a guy like Dan Dan Gargan, who's on like virtually the league minimum, who's like you know starting right back right now. Well, I think James Riley is maybe not fit or whatever, but um, and then they're just they're young guys, the guys they've brought through their own system who are willing to play for like fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, knowing that they're gonna get spot starts or they're gonna get time late, uh, mat- late in matches and stuff. Who but are still asking to make a contribution. It's just interesting to see how many of them are so low. And I think as Aaron was saying, like there's only like what ten players in the entire roster over uh, like a hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah. But you said Bryce would be was it ninth or tenth or ninth on the team in ninth salary. Few, Bryce Alderson would be ninth in salary if he was on the Galaxy. Bryce hasn't seen a minute yet. Yeah, so it's crazy. So it's really interesting just the way that they've gone about crafting their, their 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 roster together. Which of course we don't know how much allocation money they're getting and all that kind of stuff to make that all work. In well, the are, but if you look at it, their Champions League, that you get a ton of allocation there too. So that that does make a big difference there. I totally agree with you. And the thing is with them is their young players are, are they have a good uh, program, uh, academy program as well. But this year they're getting the big advantage of having their own USL pro team. So those young players, our young players are playing teams like SFU and, and UBC and stuff like that. And their, their young players are playing against other professional teams yeah, in I, the USL pro. And a, I mean, that's one thing that I really would have hope that we as a club would have done was, was that we would have been one of those clubs to have, you know, Whitecaps two before other teams, but hopefully we can learn from what LA is doing and, and see if it works and see what maybe ways to improve on it. And, and hopefully one day soon we have a, a Whitecaps two in, you know, hopefully in the lower mainland. So those are uh, what we thought about the game. Uh, now it's time for your favorite portion of the preview show. It's the return of Predictapooch. And of course, there will be a Scott involved in there too. He's Michael McCall, and he's got his three takes on the game in trio time. Trio, too loud. Trio, I said that was too I loud. I want a trio, and I want one now. Yeah, well, we all do, man. But listen, not one, not two, I mean, but three things in it. Listen, could you just cool it? Not one, no three things are quite as good together as a trio. So with the Whitecaps heading back to BC Place on Saturday to take on the LA Galaxy for the second week running, here are my trio of things to watch and keys to the game. Now for me, the first one is obviously very obvious, it's like blatantly obvious. The Whitecaps have to take the chances. Now that I know goes without saying, but they haven't been doing that in recent games, they have been creating chances. And against a team like LA, you're not going to get lots. And when they do come along, you have to take them. Last week, Matix Mane didn't get the chances that were presented to them. Cost of Whitecaps dearly. Now, secondly for me, 
I think it's really important that the Whitecaps control the middle of the field. It's been discussed elsewhere in the podcast, but they have to control the middle of the park, force LA to start playing out wide where they've got weaker players and the Whitecaps are going to kind of hopefully deal with any attacks coming up the wings through Betashur and Harvey. So if they can control the middle of the park, that's going to be one of the keys for them getting something from this match. And my final key point to the game, key player to watch, Robbie Keane. And again, kind of goes a little bit without saying, the Whitecaps just have to really, really keep a close eye on Keane. For me, what they need to do is get someone like Laba going in hard and early on him. Give him a little bit of a knock, give him a little bit of an injury, give him something to think about that he knows when he's coming forward that he's going to get a bit of attention. Obviously it has to be tried to be done in a way where he's not going to pick up a booking, but a little kick to the back of the shins, a little elbow here, a little bit of hard tackling, just leaving your foot in a little bit extra. That's what someone like Laba or Kofi, if he's playing, but some white cap needs to do that. Give Robbie Keane a start early on, and just make him know that he is on enemy territory. He hates the pitch, so so just make it a really uncomfortable afternoon for the Irishman. All that said, my prediction is it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be one all, and I think the Whitecaps might be happy with that, but you kind of have to really look at winning the home games at BC Place, even when it's a top team like Ellie Galaxy coming to town. And now it's the part of the show that everyone looks forward to every week. It's time for... Predict-a-pooch. Now, obviously, we didn't have a show last week, but we did do Predict-a-pooch, and as we tweeted out on Saturday, Predict-a-pooch went for an LA win, and Predict-a-pooch was right again. So he's five out of six for the season. Again, we can still argue he was six out of six, that's what Predict-a-pooch is saying, but five out of six is still pretty good. So let's see if he can build on that record and what he's going to come up with for the Whitecaps hosting the LA Galaxy on Easter Saturday. We're sticking with the balls, and we're going to throw three for him this week as usual. We're throwing the big orange chucket ball, because if the Whitecaps have to win, they're going to need big balls. If he brings that back, that's a Whitecaps win. We're throwing our run-of-the-mill old tennis ball, because no one likes a draw. That's kind of boring and bland, just like an old-fashioned tennis ball. If he brings that back... Predictor Pooch is going for the draw. And finally we have a small orange chucket ball. Small like a potato for little Robbie Keane. So let's throw that and if he brings the little ball back, then he's going for a leprechaun Robbie and a LA Galaxy win. So are you ready Predictor Pooch? Get ready. On your marks. Three. Two, one, bring back the ball. So he's off, he's off, he's going for... He's had all three in his mouth. He's a little bit undecided, but he is bringing back... Oh, and this is just disappointing. Predictor Pooch is going for another LA Galaxy win. He's brought back the small chucket ball. LA Galaxy win. Predictor Pooch has spoken. Let's see if he's right again. So until next time... Goodbye from me, and goodbye from Predictor Pooch. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio, and I want one now. So that was trio time with Michael McCall and Predictor Pooch. And Predictor Pooch obviously trying to extend his hot streak, predicting a Whitecaps loss. So guys, before we get into our own predictions, we're going to try to do a new segment where we kind of preview somewhat preview half-heartedly whatever you want to uh, without research uh, a game that interests us up in the mls somewhere this week it's going to be rsl in portland our cascadian brethren they are not doing very well this year so far what are you talking about they're not doing well they haven't won a game yet but they don't win yet they tie games so they're, yeah. doing, they're doing quite well <laughs> well in the matter of winning games in the standings they're not doing well this year what is their issues you've seen them in the preseason. And in some of their games, probably. What What is the issues with them going on so far? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm excited about this game just because, yeah, I think it's a great matchup. I think you have these two kind of systems um, where there's uh, they're not, like, identical, but there's similarities, and there's... Uh, the What will happen in midfield, I think, is going to be is intriguing. We have the RSL's Diamond versus 
Portland's sort of two three one in midfield there, and yeah, I think I think I mean the game I watched the most closely of Portland obviously was the Cascadia Cup match versus Seattle, and you saw uh, you saw some great things from them in that, and then you saw some shockingly poor defensive work in it as well. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see which. Um, uh, or how will Johnson and, and, uh, and Diego Chara deal with Morales um, and what's going to happen over there? And, and also Beckerman, more deep lying, will, uh, who will be kind of asked to kind of take care of him? Will, even, will, will Larry be asked to maybe do more defensive work because he's not really known for you know, what, he does, what he does defensively? So I think, that's, I think that's interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, you have, then you have on the coaches, you have Caleb Porter, who you know, everyone loved last year and this year. You know, people are saying maybe he's entering a sophomore slump because they haven't started very well, and um, and then you have the the gentleman whose name I forget who's taken over for Jason Jeff Attila or something like that. Yeah, uh, taking, we'll just go with Jeff Attila for now. <laughs> we'll go with Jason Christ's understudy, yeah. uh, uh, who's taken over kind of something oh. that something that could almost run itself maybe in some in some ways. And uh, when you when you listen to people like Nat Borchers or whatever talk about their team and how he's he's kind of breathed life into their team, you know, done some things different to help make, you know, training and, uh, and, uh, meaningful and stuff. Um, uh, he's kind of carrying on a legacy there. So uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an intriguing match to see what happens. I think, um, Portland, uh, needs to get some results. And when I say results, I don't mean wins or draws. I mean, wins. Yeah. yeah. They, they need to, they need to turn this around, um, sooner rather than later. Otherwise it's, it could be, a you know, I don't think, I don't think they'd be, too harsh on Caleb Porter that quickly. I think they're gonna let. No, not not, not in Portland. Yeah. I mean, I mean people around around. Like, yeah, well, yeah. in I, Portland, I think they still love them. In the uh, in the off season, I was looking at the team and the way they were making changes and everything. I, I wasn't too impressed by these players. Like a lot of these players they brought in, yes, they were Uruguayans and everything like that, but they they hadn't played anywhere special or anything like that. So it was it was very surprising to me that people had them up so high. I I had them at like third or fourth in the in the conference, but not that high at all. Well, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, as our good friend Slamo will tell you, last year, a, hu- a huge part of last year for them was Donovan Ricketts having, like, an absolutely incredible season, right? Yeah. And so it's and hard. he's been suspended for two games, I know, two exactly. of the games. Exactly, and they had Michael's favorite amazing race, uh, Weber, or yeah. Weber in, in that, and so, um, uh, yeah, so they've suffered from that a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I think things haven't really gone their way and stuff, um, and I... I, I I think they'll. I think they'll bounce back. I think they're still like. I, I think they're going to be like pl- a, a playoff team, team or there or thereabouts. Um, um, and I think, uh, I think, I think this game against RSL is going to be like a, yeah, just a, a, a quality match and like intense and like and because I think the players from Portland last year kind of want to prove a point. Yeah. As well. So let's get to the Whitecaps match against the Galaxy. Back to that. Uh, what do you? How do you see that game coming? Let's go prediction time now. Uh, my prediction: uh, one nothing Whitecaps win. I haven't been picking them to win the last three weeks, and I've been right most of the time. So let's go with a win this week. We'll get one. Just to change it up, right? Just change it up and get them to actually win. Prediction, eh? Uh, I mean, I, I want us. To, I desperately want us to win. I I still can't believe we did not win against Colorado. I don't know how long ago was that, that was a shocker, man. Yeah, that, that was that was that was devastating. So yeah, I, I hope we'll win like two, maybe two one, uh, maybe three one. Repeat what happened last year a little bit. Uh, maybe Russell can have you know some nostalgia and uh, enjoy a great match. Although um, Kurt uh, is his mother in town. I, yes, yeah, oh, I think his family is actually. Oh, that might be a good thing then. <laughs> I think it's Easter weekend. I think they came out. For, I'm pretty sure someone told. Actually, yeah, he. Someone told me his parents are coming out for the match. So. Oh, that's good. Good uh, news then, because <laughs> and yeah, anything to although um, and a good-looking sister. Cut that out, Michael. <laughs> I mean, uh, Kudushini Kurush- won't be in that, so we won't be blessed by that. But uh, uh, yeah, hopefully Russell can have a, g- a good match, and um, I, yeah, I hope we can get. A, I, hope, I really hope we can get a result uh, on, on form and on how things have been going. Yeah, if a draw or an LA win would not would not shock me uh, as much as I think the the Colorado match did, but. Um, I'm really hoping we can win this one. So no prediction official from you, obviously. Okay, two, so two, two one, <laughs> two one white gaps. Uh, I think it's gonna be a draw. I think they're gonna. I think it'll be a two two draw. I think they will be better offensively, but I think they're still gonna have those couple of lapses where the Galaxy will be able to pounce on. Uh, the one factor I see that might play into the Whitecaps' advantage is the absolute hate that Robbie Keane has for the pitch at BC Place. 
So if that can throw him off a little bit, I think then they have a chance. Hopefully they can prevent a goal by Landon Donovan. So that's not the only oh. story of the game. Please, <laughs> yes. So those are our thoughts. Aaron, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Twitter at AACAMP81. Also writing for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And now covering the Whitecaps on Nasword on Sports. Zach. Zachary AM on Twitter and Curva, at Curva Collective is the movement on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook as well. You can find me at Whitecaps Beat on Twitter and obviously writing for AFTN at Canadian Soccer News. So that's the preview for today, this week's match for the Galaxy and the Whitecaps upcoming this Saturday. I'd like to thank our guest Joe Tatino and obviously our regulars Michael McCall and Predicta Pooch. So for this week, I'm Steve Pander. For Aaron Campbell and Zach Meisenheimer, thanks for listening, and we'll see you at the pitch. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, friendly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?